Before we get started, a quick disclosure. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing you hear is an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any investment. With that, hello and welcome to the Rangely Capital Podcast. I'm Andrew Walker, Portfolio Manager at Rangely. With me as always, my co-host and Rangely's founder, Chris Demuth. It is Tuesday, December 13th, and today we're going to talk about Trump's pick for the Secretary of State, and then we're going to move on to kind of the spat that never should have happened between hedge fund manager Whitney Tilson and Senator Liz Warren. So, Chris, why don't we start with uh, Trump picking uh, ExxonMobil CEO and Chairman Rex Tillerson for Secretary of State. This has proven kind of controversial. Well, Exxon shareholders love the announcement. Their stock was up 4 or 5% on the day. That's actually $15 billion in market cap moves. So that's a real big uh, move for a, a company. Uh, but politicians might like it a little bit less. Their initial reactions kind of been, we, we've seen some bipartisan opposition to this. Uh, so why don't we talk about it? I ca- we can talk about the politics of it, but I kind of want to focus more on the investing implications. So I'll let you take it from there. Well, if it wasn't a headline of a newspaper, uh, Texan Rex Tillerson could be a fictional character yeah. playing Texan oil man coming to Washington to be the new Secretary of State. He looks the part, he acts the he part, really and does. his name, yeah. if I was just going to invent it, would be Rex Tillerson. Uh, perfect name for the role. And I don't want to put it past our president-elect to have that factor in a little bit. In the past, he said Mitt Romney looks like a yeah. general Secretary of State, and he kind of uh, considered him Rex Tillerson. Absolutely looks the part. Uh, And he separately mentioned that Mike Pence always looked like the vice president. So maybe (laughs) that this is some uh, part of the decision making process. I wonder what we look like in the Trump administration. Where where would Trump throw us? I don't know. Hopefully, uh, successful fund managers. But, uh, you know, I think in some ways the nomination makes sense. First of all, let me say he's completely qualified to do the role. Oil majors have to conduct diplomacy. They go where the dinosaurs died. You know, if you're a banker, you can always go to Switzerland, uh, but uh, but oil majors can't. They have to go where there's oil and gas, and you have to deal with all sorts of people in the process. Yeah, there was a, an interesting quote in one of the, I think it was in a Wall Street Journal article or something, an analyst said, look, if you're if you're the head of an oil major, you're basically a state, you're basically a State Department diplomat, or not State Department, you're basically a diplomat, a diplomat who, who happens drills. to drill oil well. So absolutely. absolutely on that account. Unilateral sanctions don't work and mostly hurt the country that implements them. And so I think somebody who's had uh, a policy uh, position in the past consistent with that is consistent with his experience at an oil major uh, and consistent with what's really true in terms of the economics. Uh, But more than anything, Tillerson's a deal guy. I think he's pragmatic. He's not overly constrained by ideology or party faction. So I think some of the concerns out of Washington are people from party factions or from specific ideologies that wanted one of their guys. And he's not one of their guys. Yeah, so let me turn it to the deal guy, though. So, sure. you know, one of the things you saw the Donald Trump tweet that said, look, he's a world cast player. He's a deal maker. And one thing I was trying to kind of dig into a little bit this afternoon is like, is he really a good deal maker? So I, just some stats I'll throw out. So he took over ExxonMobil January 1st, 2006. And mm-hmm. since that time, Exxon stock has performed the S&P 500 and it's un- underperformed Chevron just to take a random competitor out there. And most of his big moves, it seems to have failed. So he made a big move to get into 
a Russian Arctic drilling uh, deal in 2011 that got hit by the sanctions. He poured billions of dollars into the Canadian oil sands. And uh, just late last year or early this year, they had to announce that a lot of those those investments aren't ever going to turn a profit. And he spearheaded the uh, acquisition of XTO Energy for $31 billion in 2009. And at the time, there was analyst quotes that said, this is the deal his legacy is going to uh, ride on. And that deal actually kind of turned out to be a disaster. So as a deal man, those are the three big deals of his I saw. And none of them seemed like they turned out that well. The stock underperformed. Look, he might be a diplomat, but it doesn't necessarily seem like he was a super shareholder friendly one, to be honest with you. And look, this year, the company's been hit with an SEC review over not writing down assets in the face of oil price declines. And they're facing several legal battles with state attorneys over uh, climate change research, which those might be politically driven. But, you know, he might be a diplomat, but it doesn't, from a shareholder and investor standpoint, I'm not sure that you're nominating it doesn't matter. There are no shareholders in the State Department, but I'm not sure he did great by shareholders. Yeah, I think that's all a good point. And where are you left with today? Even though it, as you said, underperformed, I think that uh, the scale is a huge problem. Uh, it's a huge problem to uh, manage uh, well. Uh, I think that uh, it's on in the class of mega cap stocks that are too big to get bought. You know, I was looking at the stock responding well to him leaving. You have a younger deputy who's going to take over. It's not as if the CEO leaving means Exxon's on the block now. Yeah. Too big to get bought. Uh, plays Pays a respected uh, dividend. Uh, it's a kind of cliche mega cap, a stock that is uh, a widely followed and owned and I think very fully priced uh, as of today. Uh, and I'll mention in the disclosure, I'm modestly short Exxon today. Yeah, and let's let's turn to other investing implications. So sure. I think a lot of people might be excited about, you know, the Tillerson. He's got uh, good relations with Russia. A lot of people might be excited about him. Uh, he's obviously going to be for the oil and gas industry. A lot of people might be excited about investing in that. I'll kind of turn it over to you. Yeah, you know, I think one of the problems with a friend – uh, is that a friend uh, has a complicated relationship between good policy for oil and gas and good policy for the equity shareholders. Why? Well, because pick deregulation, for example, that could really soften the commodity prices. You know, so there's a complex relation for the companies themselves. You know, you have an inbound EPA head, uh, Oklahoma AG Scott Pruitt, who I think is going to refocus environmental concerns on clean water, clean mm-hmm. air, get out of a lot of the areas that I think he sees mm-hmm. uh, as uh, kind of marginal for the EPA. Could be very good for oil and gas uh, consumers, uh, good for production, uh, could soften prices and uh, and so it's unclear that that's kind of investable uh, from the long side as an ENP uh, equity holder uh, and on the other side you know this is what appears to be a protectionist administration at least the president's rhetoric so far and that could really hurt the demand side of oil and gas yeah uh so i 100 percent agree with you and i kind of think back in 2008 when obama got elected the one thing that you knew for sure was he was going to support the development of green energy Mm -hmm. and we were talking about this earlier if you had invested in green energy back then all the major players are from 2008 are either bankrupt or massively diluted now in the case of oil and gas, you're talking about much more sophisticated technologies, but it just goes to show just because barriers are coming down, uh, it generally just introduces a lot more competition. And a lot of competition is not good if you're looking for price for profits. 
On the protectionist thing, I, I think it's interesting. I think, and then we'll move on to the Tilson thing. But uh, I do think it's interesting that Tillerson. I think he's been a big proponent of free trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, again, running a, a major oil company, you're a big proponent of letting capital flow wherever it needs to flow. So, I, him plus a lot of the other people Trump's nominating, it does make me think that the one of the big things he's going to be pulling back on is kind of the international protection, and there will be some form of free trade. Maybe not with China per se, but everyone else is probably going to be okay on the free trade lines. I hope so. I think uh, on the congressional side, there's a lot of uh, pivoting from some uh, non-economic rhetoric to some more economic ways to change, say, the corporate tax and things that are actually going to be very good public policies that are going to be able to come uh, come out of it. Perfect. So why don't we turn over to the Whitney Tilson-Liz Warren fight? So this started on November 30th. Bloomberg published a piece uh Wall Street wins again as Trump chooses bankers and billionaires. Uh, and they quoted hedge fund manager, and I, we've talked to him a little bit. I think he's actually your friend, mm-hmm. Whitney Tilson. And Whitney Tilson said in the piece, he said, look, I think Trump's appointing a bunch of bankers to his cabinet. I think this is good overall because he's appointing people from within the system instead of wild cards who will blow the system up. But I do think it means he con- Trump conned his supporters. And uh, the next day, Liz Warren put out a Facebook post that ba- that blasted, quote, billionaire hedge fund managers and ripped on Will C- Whitney Tilson for getting his way. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll let you turn over to all the issues with Liz Warren blasting and then we can have a discussion if you want. Sure. Well, one of the first reasons uh, that this was a problematic response is one of the reasons why Whitney Tilson's, in fact, not a billionaire, uh, although he could be someday, is that he's an extremely uh, generous philanthropist, including to a lot of left-wing causes that would be near and dear to Liz Warren's heart. Yeah, so look, the first thing he said was like, look, he's basically a Liz Warren supporter. He supports the CFPB, which Mm -hmm. a a lot of... He was... We're on his email list. He was incredibly pro-Hillary Clinton this whole time. He he recently paid to hear Liz Warren talk. His wife was in a Harvard Law School class taught by Liz Warren. So it it was kind of crazy, and he reached out, pointed all this out, and to date, Liz Warren has refused to take down her post and apologize mm-hmm. on this issue. So uh, yeah. let's, let's talk about it. I, I think one of the problems, too, this really reveals is a problem with the structure of our media right now. Uh, Whitney was uh, saying something that I thought was funny. It had uh, a slight amount of nuance to it. Uh, he was making a good point in the context of somebody who had just spent 18 months, what, two or three times a day, yeah. attacking in every possible way uh, Donald Trump, uh, supporting in every possible way uh, Hillary Clinton and he had kind of a fun flippant comment that he made in the press and then it gets taken out of context by somebody Senator Warren clearly who read the headline may have read the first sentence but didn't think at all about either the context or the couple paragraphs and then she can create news out of this superficial understanding and I think it's concerning on so many levels look one thing Democrats have been blasting Donald Trump for is a man who can be baited with a tweet right yes. well here Liz Warren almost literally saw a headline and mm-hmm. ripped on someone for for something that was the complete opposite of what they're going for and what they stand for. Uh, you know, it's kind of if politics is going to dive more and more into the superficial where getting blasted in headlines and getting retweets, commentary, kind of stirring up fire is the way that you get press and you get more popularity and you gain power. It, it's very concerning for anything that requires a, any type of thought or any politician who's trying to be thoughtful and deal in gray areas in an increasingly gray world. You know, uh, she said that if Trump gets 
his way, the next four years are going to be a bonanza for the Whitney Tilsons of the world. Uh, and I would like to say, I sure hope so. I don't know if I am anywhere near as one of the Whitney Tilsons of the world. I think Whitney Tilson's a person, other people, other people. But uh, but she said this. But I think it shows a certain sadism to say that what might be good for one individual or one group of people is inherently something that you want to oppose. Uh, and I think that it's interesting. I think she represents one uh, kind of side of the Democratic Party. I think uh, Whitney uh, per perhaps in some ways represents the other. But it never finishes a sentence to say how something bad uh, uh, comes out of something that's good for uh, hedge fund managers, uh, even in this case, uh, if he doesn't represent what she was trying to represent. But, but I, have a, I have a bit of a critique of the defense of Whitney, which is uh, Andrew wrote, Elizabeth Warren condemned... Wait, 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 not, not me, Andrew. Andrew Andrew Ross Sorkin oh, I'm in the sorry. New York yes, Times. no. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, yes, Andrew Ross Sorkin uh, of the New York Times, uh, somebody who I like uh, a lot. I think he's a very fair journalist. Uh, and uh, uh, he said Elizabeth Warren condemns the wrong man. There's a certain innuendo that the, uh, that she condemned the wrong man because Whitney is a liberal in good standing. I think that politicians like Senator Warren should be getting out of the condemnation business. I think that uh, you, you have these powerful organs such as the CFPB, perfect for retribution as soon as uh, the powerful kind of state-sponsored uh, groups uh, turn against somebody. And I think think that this is one of the great arguments against uh, uh, the kind of government that both Warren and Tilson support. And one of the great arguments for limited government and free markets that are that are organized horizontally and organized voluntarily instead of having these kind of uh, this kind of. Uh, uh, race of uh, people such as Liz Warren, kind of above mere citizens who can pick the winners and losers and pick uh, who does and does not deserve condemnation. Yeah, you know, I, I'm conflicted on that because while I agree with you, like free markets are the best way to organize everything, I, I can't help but see something, you know, like the Wells Fargo scandal where they're mm -hmm. opening up accounts that uh, that people didn't want and they're refusing to Fair shut enough. them down and stuff. I can't help but see that and think like, you know, without a CFPB or something like it, there needs to be something done with this or you know fortunately we've never been in this situation but you see some of the predatory practices with uh with payday lending and stuff and to some extent i, I think there should be payday lending but you certainly see some of the investigative journalism on the predatory practices behind that or like super subprime auto loans and stuff and i i do think there is some need for it but the the liz warren style you know subject I, to abuse is my case yeah it, look, both abuse. sides are subject yeah. to abuse right the regulation subject to abuse and with in the lack of regulation but i i am kind of sick of the liz warren style i i saw one speech i think it was her she went up there and said like Wall Street banks made a profit and all, all the crowd started booing. It's like, well, profit's like, everybody needs to turn a profit. Uh, there's nothing inherently wrong with a profit. There's inherently wrong with ripping people off to get that. But profit is what everyone should aspire to. Uh, absolutely. Two of the last little things I took off from the story that were interesting to me. One is that removing the description billionaire was her one, uh, her one little feign towards honesty and the truth here, which is very funny in this political climate where the current president-elect has very liberally used that word for a long time, kind of as a title. 
title, you know, billionaire uh, uh, Donald Trump, that he's uh, very wedded to, to. And so the one thing they got out of this article is to take that word out of it uh, for the for the sake of precision and honesty. Um, and the last thing I would say that it's it's very funny to me how being a liberal often is supposed to inoculate yourself from any charges, regardless of the putative causes of other liberals. Uh, Tom Steyer, uh, who is uh, another uh, hedge fund manager, uh, is uh, he and his wife, I think, are the two biggest environmentalists I know. Uh, they're deeply concerned about it. They have, uh, uh, they have. He he absolutely is a billionaire. Uh, but despite that, uh, uh, he's uh, he will not die a billionaire because he gives money away to environmental causes. But he, for a while, invested in aquifers in California that became this big scandal amongst. Uh, uh, college kids divest in Fairlawn. They had a website called Unfairlawn attacking Tom, sort of from the left. I don't quite see how you can get to the left of, of him and his wife on environment, but he just owns some golf courses in California. So this this, this does come up from time to time, uh, uh, even uh, attacking hedge fund managers that you wouldn't think that if you understood properly what they were doing, that there'd be room to politicize them. But I guess anything can be politicized. Perfect. So let's end it there. All the time we have for today. Before we hit our disclosures, just a quick reminder. If you like this podcast, the best way to get more is to recommend us to a friend and get them to start listening. More listeners means we are more likely to keep taping these. So disclosures, Chris, the only thing we really mentioned was Exxon. I, I don't have a position. I think you mentioned you were short a little bit. Short a little bit. Okay, perfect. So that's it for today, and we'll probably talk to you guys later this week or next week.